All right. <clears throat> Super. Well, 40 years ago, what happened to be today happened to be a Saturday. And uh, about this time, I was parking my little uh, Fiat Brava uh, a couple blocks away from the church on the cor corner of 38th and School Street in Oakland, California, in the hood, and uh, getting ready to, to go say my vows. And so uh, I said I do, she did, and I'm done. And uh, so today is our 40th anniversary, Kim and I. People ask us, what do you attribute your long marriage to? I say to the fact she hasn't left me yet. <laughs> I won't be leaving. I like the food. And where would I go? You know. So anyway, we, we've had such a, a great journey together. And uh, so we're re-upping on the next 40. And uh, that's going to be something because I'd be 106. And by that time, all the grandkids and everyone is saying, die, Papa. We want the inheritance. <laughs> wow. Well, we're going to soldier on. I do want to do uh, another personal in invite to the Freedom Weekend. Uh, there's just something about making sure that you don't have any foot that's holding you back. You know, have you ever had someone where they step on your tennis shoe and you're trying to go somewhere and, and there's someone, they've got their foot on you and you can't move until you get dislodged? Well, that's what happens when we're bound up in the spiritual realms, that a lot of times things that we would like to do for God and for our family and just in life, we can't because we have these internal blockages and they are oftentimes strongholds which is a house built upon lies. How many of you know that every one of us have misconceptions? And, 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 and that's what God is doing in the renewing of the mind. He's taking away those areas where we're still locked into some stinking thinking. And so in Freedom Week um, or Weekend, uh, I love seeing how people look after they've had that concentrated ministry. They just look like they've uh, sat in the back of a pickup and went through a car wash, just soaked by God and just cleansed and, and, and with a fresh fire. Now, that doesn't mean if you come to Freedom Week, you won't have to pray anymore. You won't have to seek God anymore. Eh, let's retool. You will have to do those things, but you won't have that foot on your foot that's holding you back and keeping you from moving forward. So I believe in it. And here's what's crazy. Every time we have one of these, I feel the same way. I feel like I'm born again again, you know. Now, you know, uh, theologically, I know that I'm still a Christian. But there's something about getting another layer of the onion peeled off <laughs> that just came from watching Shrek with, with Wesley the other day. Shrek was uh, having a mini layered onion, they were saying. And <laughs> so anyway, uh, we want to have that peel back of, of habits and things that are, that are bad and, and the freedom that Jesus has for us. So I'd love to really invite you to come and be a part this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, patiently enduring testing and temptation. Uh, what's that say up there? 
Okay, that was just the announcement. I take my glasses off because I can read this, but I can't do the cheat things very well. So that's why you'll see me kind of schizophrenic. It's, I'm not manifesting or anything. I'm just trying to make sure I can read what's up there. <clears throat> it sure seems that life would be so much better if we didn't have to struggle with our humanity. You know, sometimes people come and they want to repent of all kinds of stuff. And I say, really what you need to repent of is being human. How many of you have ever experienced being hangry? Or how about being um, <laughs> mean tired? You ever get mean tired? I hate it when Kim does that. I really do. And, I mean, she hates it when I do. Have you ever had your child and, you know, your, your child seems to be really acting out and all they need is a nap. It's like I watch, you know, uh, some of my grandkids that live here, I wouldn't la label whose children they are, but, uh, you know, I've got grandchildren that live other places, so I don't see all they do, but I do see Wesley and Annie. And Wesley can be bopping along and all of a sudden he hits like the, the warning, battery depleted. And all of a sudden the inner shrieker comes out. I want to wear a poopy diaper. No, you want your diaper changed. I, I want to drink dirty water. <laughs> what happened? This peaceful child is human. Because at church sometimes we think that everything that happens, we've got to cast a demon out. Sometimes it's not a demon, it's humanity. It's what we face as humans. And we struggle with our humanity, our tiredness, physical illness. Have you ever seen someone who maybe isn't real polite to you and you find out they have chronic pain? It isn't they're trying to be mean. It's that they have chronic pain. They're struggling physically with illnesses, weaknesses. How about struggling with our own bad attitudes, <laughs> you know? How about struggling not only with your own bad attitudes, but bad attitudes around you from other people? But highest on the list and what we're going to be talking about today is testing and temptation. We found out in, when we were talking last week that, you know, blessed are you when you endure testing, God tests, God even arranges trials, he never arranges temptations and we're going to read that scripturally here so we still have to win you have to win those stressful things that that god leads you through yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i'll fear no evil your rod and your staff comfort me there are those things that god leads you through and you are tempted to have a bad attitude and fail the test of having a good attitude through delay that maybe even God wanted you to have? Many of you have walked with Christ long enough to know this. God tweaks your life. And, and, and coming to Jesus isn't a guarantee that now he's like, like the genie in the bottle and you get to manipulate him. He's your dad and he's training you. And so it's tempting to get a bad attitude towards God. And so we have testings, but then we have this other 
thing that I'm going to be addressing today, which is temptation. That is that special package served up to us by the world. Temptation is served up by our own desires, and that's going to be the primary one that James deals with, is what's coming from out of you. That is a homing beacon to certain types of temptation. And then we have the work of the devil himself, who tries to create a cocktail of temptation, just specially for each of us. And it's different. Now, I'm going to talk about a guy, and if it sounds like me, don't judge me, because you don't know for sure this is me. But there, there is a guy that was trying to lose weight, and he lived real close to a donut shop. Oh, we have donut country down the street. Okay. This, okay. All the names have been changed to protect the innocent, or maybe to protect the guilty. So this man was struggling with his weight, and his favorite donut shop was on his way to work. So in order to get his weight under control, he told the co-workers that he would be driving a different route to work. <laughs> they were very surprised when a few days later, he showed up with a very large box of donuts. What happened to your new route, they asked. Well, I set off for work and found myself dangerously near my old donut shop. I fervently prayed and asked God to show me if it was his will that I go ahead and stop for donuts. I asked for a sign, an open parking spot right in front of the donut shop. And lo and behold, it showed up after only eight times of driving around the block. <laughs> My Uncle Leo is in his 80s, and he's, uh, he'll usually be here on second service. And he's a former pastor and funny. And he'll ask me crazy stuff every once in a while just to, to yank my chain. One day he, he said, Stephen, he said, do you know that the only thing that you and I can't resist? And, and I said, what, Uncle Leo? He said, temptation. Not even, not, thank you, Natalie. That was a courtesy chuckle. He was teasing, I, I hope. <laughs> but that's where we fall. We fall into temptations, don't we? Uh, let's look at what James has to say about temptations and testings and these things. In James chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, reading from the New Living Translation, it's, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Testing is God's part of this deal. Trust me, the Lord is a quality control expert, and he's putting quality in our life. And he's checking us out all the time, even better than Santa Claus. But temptation is the other team on the field. Temptation is tied to the demonic, tied to Satan. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And re rem remember when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Now, verse 14 is very key. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions 
And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Wow. Now, it's very interesting as we, we look at this that I, I listed that Satan is a source of temptation. We, we find out that Jesus was tempted directly by the, the devil himself, by Satan, came to tempt Jesus. And, 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 and so uh, it's true that temptation comes from the devil, but too many people make it a cop-out. Back years ago, there was a, a comedian by the name of Flip Wilson, and he used to do a little uh, sketch called Geraldine, you know. And, 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 and Geraldine, why did you do this? The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Well, can I tell you something? That th this is going to sound like some real deep heaviness, but do you know I was present at every one of my sins in my life? How about you, Michael? Did you attend all of your own? Yeah. Yeah, I was there every time. And, and I cannot remember any sin, including the first sin that I know was I stole a little plastic car from the dirt outside my cousin's house. I knew it was their, their little car. And I was probably four or five. And I remember as a little kid taking that and feeling guilt and shame about you shouldn't do this. And because it was in my best interest to have that car, I thought, I sinned. I can't think of any sin I've ever been a part of that I, I didn't know I was doing wrong. And, 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 you know, helping people get free of addictions. Well, this, this alcohol, it, it has a, it's an iron grip on my life. Or these drugs, they have an iron grip. But, you know, there have been people that have been set free from heroin. There's been people that have been set free from methamphetamine. How? You, you've got to go to the root desire. Lord, I want to delight in you. Would you give me the desire of my heart? Would you replace the desire I have for self-service? And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tread on the thin ice right now. One of the things I hear from the, the uh, repair community, many people that are in addictions and in, in recovery training spent their whole life medicating their own offenses, always putting themselves first, and all of a sudden they're trying to get free and they're talking about, well, I've got to take care of me first. Go tell that to your family. Tell that to your broken-hearted mate that's put up with all your crap. You're still going to go take care of you first. How about the thing is, well, I just feel so bad about my addiction, I want to commit suicide. The devil wants you to, and so does God. The devil wants to kill you and drag you to hell, and God wants to kill your stinking flesh so that you rise in newness of life as a new person. Everybody would be better if you were dead. 
Every would be better if Steve Schmelzer were dead to my flesh. And every once in a while, you get to witness part of my cycle where God brings me to the cross. I have to say yes to something I don't want to do, and, and I die to self, and I am changed. And so when, when, when you're going through it and you come in, Pastor Steve, I'm going to leave deep ground, man. I'm going, man, there's nothing that a good crucifixion won't solve here. Well, what about me? That's your problem. You've always been so concerned about you, you've never been concerned about God's purpose in your life. And so desire is where the, where, where the problem starts. And changing the desire, loving God more than eating dope, loving God more than being a glutton, Loving God more than just laying on your dead hind end and not working ever. Yeah. And I have taught this for years. It's called the throw-up theory of change. When what you're doing makes you want to throw up, you'll stop it. Until then, everybody else wants to throw up. Come on, Pastor Steve. This is, this is early morning. I'm giving you some excitement, people. <laughs> Come on, Wiley. Get into the game here. Look at me. Just say amen, Pastor Steve. That's what I always say, too, when I talk to people. Temptation, where does it come from and how do we respond to it? Number one, it does not come from God. He tests us, but he doesn't tempt us with evil. This is a crucial truth. Don't blame the fact that you, you know, abandoned your first wife and shacked up with, uh, you know, Drusilla. And, 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 well, the Lord's the one that led me into that. No, the Lord didn't lead you into that relationship. Your desire led you into that relationship. And the commensurate disaster came out of just what James said. It's simple. Temptation comes from our desires. Because we know that whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God. Everything around us may shift and change, but he is changeless and he is good. And I want to say this. It's really cool for me to be with my first wife. And because she's Sicilian, she'll be my only wife. Because I ever act up and Vito and Guido are coming and I will be taken back to the Bay Area and they'll put me in a bag of concrete and I'll be so nervous I'll make my own water and they'll throw me in the Bay. Come on now. I'm just having fun a little bit. People down here are nervous because my time's running out. But anyway. How many of you like people that have a little bit of self-control in their life? You want to be kind of married to that kind of a person? No, I'm looking for a man that's going to be completely unstable, unfaithful. And that way I can really grow. Don't grow that way. Get a faithful man. Get a faithful woman. Be married. For us, 40 years... You know why, why we haven't been married longer than 40 years? Because we got married in 81. If we got married in 1941, it would have been an additional, it would have been 80 years of marriage. In other words, you can only start where you start, but to stay with it. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your God. Love your church. Love your small group. Love your car that God has given you to drive right now. Love the city that you're working in. Did I say the word love yet? I think I have, haven't I? 
and not always be so dissatisfied, blaming everything else. Well, the devil's made me unhappy or, you know, my husband or my wife. No, you're unhappy most likely because you need to go to the cross and die to some certain things in your flesh. And there's nothing that a good crucifixion wouldn't solve for you. The people don't like hearing that in counseling, you know. We know that temptation does come from the devil. First Peter 5 calls the devil our adversary. We also know that it comes from others. Temptation can come, as it speaks of in Proverbs chapter 2, uh, verses 12 through 19. It lists, uh, first of all, it lists uh, people who speak perverse things and walk in the ways of darkness. There are bad people out there. Any parents in the house? One thing that you probably want to eradicate out of today's world is sleepovers. Hello? I really appreciate the people down front. Used to be relatively safe to let your kids sleep over, but you don't know how much other children have been, have been altered by perverse thoughts, and you don't know how much their parents are into perversion. Okay, I'm being really Steve today. I'm being really real. But I'd rather have my kids crying. Well, you know, everybody else gets to go to the sleepover. That's right, but they're not all schmelzers. And I'm guarding you. Well, you're not going to be my best friend anymore, Dad. I never wanted to be. I wanted to be a higher realm. I wanted to be a parent. A friend is easy. A parent that can, can see trouble down the road is a lot better. My daughter thinks I'm her best friend. Oh, I'm so sad for you because she'll never respect you. And that's why when she gets mad at you, she's screaming and cussing at you. Why don't you elevate and be a mom? And then you get to be best friend and mother when, when they see the care for you. Because there are others out there that want to draw you away with perverse words and draw your children away with perverse words. And like Ronald McDonald said, keep your eyes on your fries because the McBurglar is out to get them. And then the second uh, person are immoral seducers. In Proverbs 2, it talks about the strange woman or the the, the, the woman that just skulks about, I think the term strange is because it's strange to be a harlot. I don't think that's how God designed women to be. So when a woman has this shifty, seductive, evil spirit, it's definitely strange. And the list goes on. But according to Blomberg and Camel, they said it's intriguing the absence of all mention of Satan or his minions here. James knows of the devil's role in temptation and will later call Christians to resist him. But here James' emphasis remains on people owning their own responsibility. That's the number one thing we're trying to put in our interns. Is, is, is that Satan has tried to hurt young people by making them irresponsible. Someone needs to pay for my college. Someone needs to buy my cell phone. Someone needs to buy me a house. Someone needs to buy me a car. Someone else needs to be disciplined for me. 
I've had people ask me, would you disciple me? I said, well, you know, I could give it a go. Yeah, I need, I need someone to kick me in the butt. I said, wrong guy. If you're that unmotivated that you need a kick in the butt, I'm not your discipler. I want to have people that wake up in the morning, you know, eating raw red meat, ready to go knock down some demonic forces. Not someone that needs to be abused. Okay, this is all good stuff, and most of it I'm giving to you for free. And then temptation come from our own desires. Now, it's very interesting um, that we have testings and uh, we have trials, and, 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 and trials slash testing can be a great thing because they come from God. And then we have demonic temptation. Now, all those things are kind of outside. Like when, when Job starts getting boils and he starts finding uh, terrible things happening to his kids, Satan was doing all of the bad stuff, but th this is hard to read in the Bible, given permission by God. So, so it, was, it was temptation and, and, and it was testing at the same time. And yet the Bible said that, that Job did not charge God foolishly or sin with his lips. So everything that goes on in my life is, is, is a potential uh, temptation to get off of the plan of God. Okay, let, let me give you an example that's really good. God really blesses me. Okay, I have plenty of vacation time and I have the resources to spend a lot of time golfing and fishing and yet just because God's given me the ability to do all that doesn't mean I need to do it I need to stay in the purpose of God so I, I, I fish occasionally golf occasionally and I do God all the time okay so, so the temptation would be to take the blessing of God and, and aim it at yourself. I'm going to live selfishly now because God's blessed me. Some people fail the test of failure and some people fail the test of success. Within every external testing and trial is a mini trial. Kim and I have been talking about this for a few days, that there's a mini trial going on under the larger trial. And I think the mini-trial that's underneath it is actually more long-term consequential than, than what you're temporarily going through. And, and, and let me give you an example. Um, years ago in 92, uh, uh, it wasn't quite as fun as, as today's anniversary day. In 92, in we went through a dreadful split. And we, we just had an Easter service, and there was 205 people. We were young church and uh, full of a lot of uh, uh, vigor and, uh, and just seemed like we were just rocking and rolling on the purpose of God. And then, unbeknownst to me, there was a desire for a hostile takeover. There was all kinds of division and people split three different ways. About 70 people just scattered to go to other churches. They didn't want to be a part of the craziness. 70 people went with the split church, which lasted about a year, and 70 people stayed with us. And so we'd have services, which are kind of like first service now, except much smaller. There'd be like 35 of us, and, and I'd be praying, Lord, keep people's eyes blinded. They won't see how small this church is. Okay. 
At the same time that we were going through that, another pastor and his wife were going through the, uh, uh, the same thing. So we were living up by the hospital on a street called Alameda Street, and we would have them over and we would have food and, and soft drinks. And, and we were talking about what we were going through. And, and you know, the, this pastor is saying, this has hurt me, and I'm saying, this has hurt me, and, and we're commiserating a little bit. But at the end of it, I always said, you know, to call him by his name, I said, you know, I know uh, a scripture. My times are in his hand. And, uh, and, and God knew what the elders would do. And, and, and the Lord told me, don't get all mad. As elders, they took their early inheritance. How they handle the sheep they swiped, that's going to be up to them. They didn't do well. But God said, and spoke in my spirit, chill out. Nothing about your long-term destiny is changed by this. In fact, as we were sorting through, I stood in the pulpit here and I said, if you're hanging around this church out of sympathy and compassion to prop me up, I'm asking you to go ahead and leave because I am being held up and sustained by God's plan. If God can't hold me up, you can't prop me up. And one guy told me after service, he said, oh, that gave me my out. We're out of here too. Well, the problem is the law of sowing reaping doesn't always just set, set you free. That man and his wife are now divorced and, and one of them is dead. Okay. So just because you think this is an easy way out doesn't mean. So here we are. We're talking to these people. We're going to trust God. We're going to trust God. My friend would never say that. He was bitter. What, what, what came of his life? Okay. He was so bitter, he burned up his marriage. He was so bitter, he was dealing drugs on the streets of Medford, even though this wasn't his hometown. Today, his ex-wife, who had remarried, died of cancer. I don't know where he's at, but I know where we're at. Every trial you're going through, there, that's, that's the ostensible battle you see. There's another one that's more important, and that's the management of your attitudes. That's the management of whether you believe your father has your best interest in hands. And through the deepest trials, I can say this, that Kim and I, we know one thing. Though an army rise against us, God is for us. I know my father loves me. I know my father has a plan for my life. Stay the course. Amen. I'm ready to start preaching. I was doing, attempting some teaching here. The preaching things works better for me. Let me just yell for a while. <laughs> One of the troubles of preaching is that sometimes people take things academically. I never coached any sport I ever coached. From the time I started with the team, I was, I was already in the game. Everything I'm telling you, I'm not telling you for academic sake. I'm trying to train you like you're over in Vietnam when the Viet Cong would cut the wires and they'd overrun the bunker. And you're inside the bunker and you're taking a bayonet and you're taking, taking tin cans and anything and you're fighting you and your unit to survive. That's what happens when, when you get overrun with temptation and testing and you have not 
before the battle determined, God is for me. God is for me. Well, I'm sure glad you got through all your trials. Do I look dead yet? I'm not through them. You think the devil's going to give up trying to tempt me, get me, blow me off course? Do you think that others are going to stop trying to get me to do stupid stuff? Do you think that, that maybe while I still have a body of flesh, that I need to crucify my flesh? The Bible never tells you you can train your flesh. It says just kill it. Yeah. Pastor Steve, you preach like you want me dead. I do, desperately. Dead to your nasty flesh. Dead to false doctrine that tells you that all of Christianity is just a merry thing. It isn't all merry. No pun intended, Mary Smith. It's sometimes Christianity is brutal. You're just saying, hey, God, I'm desperate. I, I'm done with dope. I, I've got to be done with dope. I can't look at my wife's eyes anymore and hurt her. We have the power of choice. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 in the ESV says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, it's just common. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There's a way out. Well, Pastor Steve, you don't know that porno addiction I'm facing. I don't need to know the porno addiction you're facing. I just tend to know that sin tends to enslave and sin does not let go. Sin is like the meanest Rottweiler in the neighborhood. You better come in with a big stick. You better come in with the power of the freedom. Another sales point for Freedom Week. And you better realize that God is able to help you to escape, but it may not be as easy. You might just have that temptation to open up that computer and everything within you is jonesing because pornography is like a drug. Or that tendency to flirty fish, even when you're married, sisters. I'm used to that red dress that always did the trick in the past. And you're going through a hurtful time with your husband and that whole thing of like, oh man, I need to start getting somebody warming up in the bullpen. And you say, I'm not going to trust the flesh anymore. You can rate me on getting through the outline. I didn't do good there. That's a D. But I think God's speaking. What's this message mean to you, Steve, Pastor Steve? This is life every day. Welcome to America. This is life every day. We're not always overrun with temptation. One of the ways that you don't get overrun with temptation is don't get started what you can't sustain. 
you know? You come from a family of alcoholics, please, for the love of God, don't try to demonstrate your Christian freedom. If drinking has been the, the source of incest and violence and crap in your families, don't, for the love of God, don't be so insane as to try to prove Christian liberty. The same thing with, if you have a problem with, you know, ladies, if you're at work where a seducer, an alpha male, good-looking guy, and he's a seducer and he's chipping on you to get you to leave your husband and at least for a night, it's better that you leave that position. Quit that job. Well, you know, it's the best-paying job I've had. I've, I've seen people go through divorces, and, and one thing I've always noticed, nobody makes good money going through a divorce. For the love of what's holy, you break off with temptation. You don't just kind of, well, you know, that guy's really hitting on me, but, you know, I'm sister virtuous. You are on a strong day. But what happens when you go home and your husband's crabby? He doesn't realize the little mini game going on at work. And all of a sudden, you're here broken. Jesus forgives, but shame seems to linger on. Wow. Pretty deep. How many of you got something from today's lesson? Anybody? Thank you. We need to encourage each other to resist temptation. Not get things started that you can't sustain. You know. One of the neatest things about coming to God's house week after week is the opportunity to become a Christian. A Christian is known as a believer in Jesus Christ. And uh, everything that's needed for your Christian package to be delivered to you has already been paid for by the Lord. He gave himself on the cross to take away your sins. Uh, you're being called by the Father to be a child of God. Father God wants you. Jesus wants you. And we want you to know God. And the way we do that is by calling on his name. So right now, if you'd like to call on God and become a Christian, what we're going to do is we just have you raise your hand and you just say, I, I'd like to become a believer in Jesus. I'd like to give my life to him. And we pray with you. And then there's follow-up that's available so we can help you in your walk with God. And that's why our small groups are here to help you and, and, and everything else that we do in teaching, to help you get grounded and to overcome temptation and those things that are out there to hurt you. Okay. Could you bow your head and close your eyes for a moment?